This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and two-time Pro Bowler Lorenzo Alexander. Well, it was not good on Sunday, gentlemen, in any phase. Offense, defense, special teams, things were just off. As a result, the Cardinals lost the Rams again, 37-14 to drop to 2-10 and 10, heading into the month of December. As we say, welcome to this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Zoe, you played a lot of football. Ever part of a game in which things did, didn't feel right? Yeah, plenty of them. I've been on a, a couple of uh, butt whoopings on the wrong end of them. I mean, I was um, in Washington in 2007, Patriots with Randy Moss. I think they, what did they put up on us? It was like 50 to 7. Mm. I mean, I've been a part of some games. Eagles, Monday Night Football, uh, Michael Vick, you know, first play of the game, shot to D-Jack, and they never looked back. I mean, I've been on a bad end of a couple of games, and it's it's really hard to kind of get out of those, especially if no one's making that play to kind of re-energize. And even if it does, can you sustain it? And so it's 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 unfortunate. Sometimes you just don't have it collectively. Um, you have those type of games. But this team was in it at the halftime, you know, Mark, and then it just just got away from them for whatever reason, just couldn't find a way to stop the run and, and make a, a an essential play on offense to kind of get everybody going. See, last Tuesday when I said show of hands, who's sick and tired of Sean McVay, and you guys all looked at me side-eyed, you know, now maybe you're with me, okay? We're not thoroughly sick of Sean McVay at this point. Four <laughs> different head coaches. Oh, my goodness. He's always got something in store. To come out and run for 228, though, that was um, yeah. I, that really had nothing to do as much with Sean McVay as the Arizona Cardinals, especially since they knew it was coming. The exact same run game they saw in the second half of Week 6 including the crack toss, and here it comes, whether it was – whether you know, and even when Royce Freeman got out there at 240 pounds, he was laying some lumber. Well, I mean, the, the, the run game, you know, just that, you know, if you go back to the Denver Broncos run scheme, it's really, it's really hard to stop. I mean, right? Because if you think about where, it, where the derivative it comes from, when uh, Mike Shanahan had a 1,000-yard back every single season, right, didn't matter who it was, plug and play – Nope. People knew it was coming, but couldn't stop it. Right. And you have all these evolutionary, you know, components to it that Kyle has put on it, that uh, Sean McVay has now put on it. And it's really hard to stop because everything looks the same. I mean, they was running crack toss, crack toss. One time, Buda Baker's trying to play the crack toss and they cut it up inside and the guy nearly hits his head on the goalpost. So um, it's easier said than done. You have to be extremely disciplined. I think one of the biggest things that hurt them in this run game, uh, which you can see it rear his ugly head at different points throughout the season, the defensive line is playing too lateral, right? And that's what the offense wants you to do. Have your shoulders and pretty much your chest pointed to the sideline. If you're doing that, I don't care who's playing behind you. And I think obviously not having Kaiser out there because of his injury hurt him as well. 
but the defensive line didn't play well enough. They didn't penetrate enough to make the running back have to cut earlier than he needed to be, and it was you know pretty much lights out after that. No Kevin Strong as well. Jonathan Ledbetter banged up on that defensive line. You're starting Dante Stills, a sixth-round rookie. So, yeah, a lot of injuries on that defensive side. And then offensively, after the first drive, Paul, there was nothing. And it was a perfect drive as far as football concerned. Under center, shotgun, passing plays, running Mm. plays, some play action. And then after that, you didn't get another touchdown, let alone a score until late in the fourth quarter. I mean, if you're asking me what's the most confounding thing from that loss against the Rams, it was James Conner getting two carries after the opening drive. How? Why? What happened there? Uh, It was still a two-possession game mid to late third quarter. There was no reason to abandon the run game, no reason to abandon James Conner. What the Rams did to you with that run game, I thought the Cardinals were equally as capable of doing to the Rams with James Conner. If Kyron Williams can go off like that, James right. Conner is certainly capable of that sort of physical run game. Yes, they have Aaron Donald, but they've run against Aaron Donald before. So I, that was um, yeah, that was perplexing in a lot of different ways. Where was Kyler under center after the first drive? Where was James Conner? Conner carried the ball four times for 23 yards on that opening drive, just two rushing attempts after the first possession. Post-game, though, it wasn't so much as far as X's and O's that bothered the head coach. Jonathan Gannon pointed to something else. Not good enough, obviously, today. Felt like uh, we didn't match their level of enthusiasm throughout the game. That falls solely on me. When you get beat like that, uh, we got to take a good hard look of how we're setting up the week because really wasn't competitive in my mind, and that's on me first and the coaches next. So got to put together a better plan going into Pittsburgh. The head coach, Zoe, also used the word deflated when talking about that game, and maybe it happened after that first offensive possession and then just never being able to kind of get that energy level back up to in order to max or match what the Rams were doing on the sideline, and he put it on his shoulders. The players put it on their shoulders right. as well, and that's something now what do you do this week to make sure it doesn't become a repeat performance? It, it, it just comes down to player executing. Um, it's not on the coaches. Um, I mean, obviously leaders are going to always try to put it on themselves and what can I do better? Can we, you know, make little tweaks here and there in the way we prepare so guys feel fresh? I think some of it is, right? They haven't had a bye week. It's a long season coming off of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, players are people too, and we like to think that they're supposed to overcome these, you know, Thanksgiving and, and late seasons, people beat up. Um, and it was just one of those games. But you have to be mentally tough enough to be able to pull yourself up and out of that. And no one on either side of the ball really made a play. And I think the only guy who may have been able to do it wasn't touching the ball in James Conner because he had a couple of big boy runs even on that first drive as far as running over people, getting up excited. He should have been tackled for a loss by Aaron Donald, got away, and then turned into a big game. Right, yeah. So some of those things, you know, where that guy that you needed just wasn't getting the touches that I think may have gotten that offense going, the team going but players have to step up I didn't think the offensive line played well either um if if you go back and look at the game both teams had opportunities and the Rams offensive line executed better especially on some of the deeper routes down the field when Kyler had those opportunities with some of the same schemes with some of those deeper over routes the offensive line couldn't hold up long enough for him to be able to throw it accurately now did Kyler have a great game no but 
he has to have, right, quarterbacks get all this love, but they got to have people around. They're the most dependent people on the field. People got to get open. People got to block, keep their feet clean, so then they can deliver a ball at a high level. Now, the great ones are able to overcome some of that, but Kyler's still coming off an injury, still pretty much new into this season, and needs that help as far as keeping the pocket clean so he can make some of these throws, get that confidence, and then kind of maybe reproduce a game like we saw week one. In terms of Jonathan Gannon saying the Cardinals didn't match the Rams' enthusiasm, I will say at the beginning of the game before kickoff, it was awful quiet down on the sideline. And you know, yeah. we've all experienced our share. You know, there was that game at Detroit a year ago where the Cardinals were DOA upon arrival. There was a game against Carolina a couple of years yeah. ago. You know, they're just those games where, where the team is flat and sure enough the Rams come out and they go nine plays for a touchdown drive in less than four minutes and uh row I would you know the the alert was on down on the sideline but then the Cardinals came out went 12 plays 75 yards and they cashed it in to take the lead 8-7 right I'm thinking all right here we go but then there were some moments and there was even a starter middle of the third quarter it was at 24-8 and there was a starter who was going up and down the sideline and imploring guys look it's a two possession game now with a pair of two point conversions it's a two possession game let's go let's go so there were certain guys <laughs> who were trying to right. jump start the team they had the jumper cables out they yeah. were trying to but it just didn't happen words only mean so much you got to have some action out there yeah. And unfortunately, not enough action by that offense. Just 292 total yards. Kyler Murray, 256, throwing only one rushing attempt for K1. Post game, here is your starting Cardinals quarterback. Wasn't good football. Wasn't good football. Didn't execute. You know, they 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 got the better of us. We just got our ass kicked. I mean, that was played a good football game last week. You know, won the week before, but this one was you know it's probably like. First time all year, we, we just got beat, you know, uh, terribly. So, uh, got to flush it and move on. Got a good Pittsburgh Steelers team next week. 37-14, the final Sunday at State Farm Stadium. More post-game, and this is from post-game on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The post-game guest of you, Paul, was Dennis Gardeck. I thought he had some interesting things to say about what the Cardinals were up against in addition to the Rams. You know, our sports psychologist hit us in the, the offseason and said there's, there's three enemies in any given battle. It's first, yourself. Second, the guys around you. And third, the actual opponent. And we fought all three of those today. Dennis Gardak following the Cardinals' loss on Sunday. Is that fair, Zoe? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I mean, obviously, it, it always starts with you, right? And we all have those conversations with ourselves, and depending on where you're at in the season, something is bothering you, not playing well. Maybe I got dominated the last play, and you're having these con- internal conversations, and you get stuck in this rut. You got guys around you. You know, what is their mentality? What is their attitude, right? That's why you always, coaches are always talking about, are you changing the atmosphere when you walk into a room or a building for a positive way? Because your attitude, your words, your actions impact those around you, especially if you're a guy like Buda Baker. Right. And I've also been around guys where um, uh, Hainsworth, Albert Hainsworth was the opposite effect. Right. And so that's why it's always you got to be confident of, of that. And that's why coaches look for certain guys. And then obviously you're playing a, a, a well-coached L.A. Rams team that is, I thought, was had a great game plan for what the Cardinals do both offensively and defensively and went out there and executed. And, and all those things worked against the Cardinals this week, and that's why they found themselves in a in a butt-whooping pretty much. And now the question is, how does this team respond? Go into Pittsburgh, Paul, and then the fact, as Zoe mentioned, go to Pittsburgh, 
and then you go into your bye week. Are you looking ahead to that off week and not paying attention to what the Steelers are capable of doing? And by the way, the Cardinals recently had their own Halberts Hainsworth. That was a Jordan Phillips, but we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> as, for, alone, as, as for this, <laughs> as for this trip, as for this trip to Pittsburgh, um, let's just say that based on um, the reaction from the coaches, I don't think you're going to get a repeat of the lack of enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it. It was an effort. He was careful to specify. But I think, if nothing else, the fight was what Dennis Gardek called it, the fight. I think it'll be back in Pittsburgh based on the aftermath, the Sunday night, the Monday morning, the team meeting that was had with the head coach and this team. Uh, I, I that's one thing that I am expecting to return. I don't know what else is going to happen in four right. quarters against the Steelers, but I think the fight will be back. Jonathan Gannon talked on Monday about you have to be bring that enthusiasm even when it's inconvenient. And right now would right. be an inconvenient time coming off a loss, going into a road game, the bye week on the horizon, and having that energy. Maybe you do change things up a little bit. Maybe that. The week's plan is a little bit, just a little bit different to kind of get everyone up a little bit. No, it makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, I was never a big rah-rah guy. It, it comes down to executing your job, doing your job at a high level, making plays, and then that energy comes from that. But if you're getting your butt whooped every play, I'm not going to be enthused either. And the issue this past week was it was a different guy every play, especially defensively. Somebody out of the gap here, and then it was another guy. guy misses a tackle. They got to collectively come together to get that energy up if they want to be. The one way to motivate in the NFL job security. So maybe there's another Marco Wilson who all of a sudden gets benched and doesn't get a single snap. We'll see. Cardinals single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets. That's azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. When we return, that offense and the lack of rhythm offensively. That's next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. and shotgun a third and goal from the ram two snap to murray and he keeps it running right and murray's into the end zone for his third rushing touchdown in three games and the cardinals within a point of tying it thanks to murray's legs well there it is again trey mcbride out in front of him the tight end kyler didn't need him just went ahead and stoked it took it north himself and easily scored that touchdown a touchdown run, a touchdown toss from Kyler Murray. That touchdown run capping a 12-play, 75-yard opening possession scoring drive. Kyler Murray on that drive, 5 of 7 for 50 yards through the air. By the way, second straight week, the Cardinals offense scoring a first possession touchdown. Unfortunately, that would be the only touchdown scored in the first half. The Cardinals would not score again until 5-12 left to go in a ball game that the Cardinals lost the Rams 37 to 14 as we say welcome back it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek your ticket to great seats Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi and Lorenzo Alexander as we look back at what happened and more likely so what didn't happen especially on offense because as good as that offense looked on that first possession there were eight possessions before that next touchdown and in those eight possessions 32 plays for just 54 yards five or I should say four three-and-outs, and when you don't sustain drives, 
you don't have enough plays to get everyone involved, right. and therefore the lack of touches for a James Conner in the game, and you just kind of get sideways. Right. Well, he needs to be primary number one. He's you know outside of probably McBride right now, he's your your best player on the field as far as impacting it, making something out of nothing. And so this should never be an issue, especially after the way he looked at first drive, unless it's something that's going on that we're unaware about where he should not be a part of the game plan and getting him touches. Now, it would be interesting to know, right, because that first drive was 12 plays, right? You typically have your first 15, and now you come off script as an offensive coordinator. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you get away from, you know, the next three plays, I think, was all from the gun. And if you watch out the totality of the game, their best plays came from under center. And so it would be really interesting to know as a play caller, you know, once you get out of that first 15, how are you calling plays then, right? What is what is letting you know? Because it got really disorganized in the sense of you really couldn't tell after that first drive what they were trying to accomplish, right? So on cover two yesterday, Green and I were talking about exactly that. What's the difference from the opening drive to the next eight possessions? The opening drive is scripted. Right. And they do script their first 15 plays or so. The rest of the way, to what degree was it being run by the quarterback? To what degree was the quarterback changing things to the line of scrimmage? Now, you saw Matthew Stafford do a ton of that, and he's always done a ton of that, but he's a 35-year-old quarterback who's seen everything, and Sean McVay loves tempo. He's always loved tempo. Mm-hmm. Get up on the ball, and McVay's still talking in his headset, right. and here's where we're in until 15 seconds are left, and then boom. But you saw Stafford react to a lot of what the Cardinals are doing, including the screen pass touchdown because he noticed Jalen Thompson was coming on the trail blitz. Mm-hmm. right? So boom, advantage Stafford and the Rams on that one. But on the Cardinals' side of things, to what degree – was it Kyler's decision-making to, A, maybe stay in the pocket, stay in the gun, go to the quick passing game? Because maybe just maybe that's what he's comfortable with. Because to me, after the opening possession, right. it looked a lot like the last four years, the sort of offense mm-hmm. the Cardinals were running. So so does, does Kyler have, right, so typically when a, a, a quarterback has reign over the play calling or checks – it's really not necessarily formational. It's normally like, hey, we're going to, based on the look I'm seeing, we're going to the second call. It's not necessarily let's go from, let's shift from under center to the gun. Got it. Right? Um, and so I know that's coming, I, I would think. You know, I don't know how they, they operate here, but that's the, the, the formation and the structure is coming from up top. And then within that structure, Kyler now has the ability, hey, I'm going to check here, I'm going to check here based on what they're doing. And so yesterday they got away from going under center. I think that really hurt them because that was their most impactful formation when he was under center because he was able to run the ball and then obviously use his legs coming off the boot, which gave some advantageous leverage for the guys on the back end. Now a couple of times people didn't execute, drop balls, a bad throw, but the play in itself was there. When they started doing straight drop back, I feel like the Rams really had a great understanding of what they were trying to do, and they were able to set up very calm. There wasn't like always oh, run, run, run. No, it's pass, pass, pass. It was like, okay, these, these are the four, based on this formation, based on these alignments, this is what they like to do. They had great sticky coverage, and then Kyler had to hold the ball a little bit. Okay, he's not open. He's not open, and then that allowed the the off the defensive line of the Rams to get to him and bother him a little bit. So I would have liked to see them stick to under center play action, boot, run game, because that really, if you have an athletic quarterback and you also have a James Conner back there, from a defensive perspective, especially as a linebacker where I have to play the run and then find these over routes, that is one of the most stressful things as a linebacker. Oh, I got to go stop this run. No, I don't. Oh, and Kyler's out here running. 
So they need to whatever the 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 percentage is right now, if it's like 60 or 70, 30 gun, they need to start shrinking that and making it a little bit closer because he's operating well out of it. He looks like he's comfortable. So I would use a little bit more to that to my to my advantage and continue to make everything look the same, look similar, just like the Rams do. Right. You really can't get a beat on what, what they're trying to do. And then you attack people because now the defense has another component they have to worry about as far as thinking versus being set up. This is past. I know where the ball is going and having great sticky coverage. Eight times Kyler Murray was under center, but five of those eight were on the opening drive. Uh, <laughs> you go. Well, how many times have we heard defensive linemen yeah. say when an offense goes into the gun? Thank you, because it eliminates a lot of what is possible. It really shrinks the play possibilities. And so a D lineman says, great, now I don't have to worry about X, Y, and Z because you're in the gun instead of being under center. So especially on some of those third and short, fourth and short, love to see the Cardinals under center because it just presents so much more to think about for the front seven. Head coach Jonathan Gannon looking back at what did not happen between the opening possession as far as the offense. Where was that rhythm? we got to get in rhythm and get some first downs so we can sustain drives and we can get plays off that are good, that accentuate our guys, you know. So it's hard when you're going three and out and then the scoreboard's ticking on the other side, you know, that's deflating. So we just got to find a better balance of getting in rhythm with the run and pass game and, and making sure that we're staying on the field a little bit to give ourselves a chance to score points. Look, talking to some of the coaches after this game, uh, I don't think, A, like I said earlier, you're going to see a lack of fight going forward. I think that message was sent in very stern fashion. And I don't think they're going to go away from James Conner again, unlike what happened only two carries after that opening drive. I, I think that was considered a mistake and that's something that will be corrected over these last five games. Well, let's also hope that Kyler Murray can correct some of the things that have not gone well for him the last two weeks. Yet at the same time, the numbers don't look good on Sunday, but postgame, Kyler Murray staying positive. Staying positive, staying positive. You know, this is my third game, uh, seventh week of practice. Um, there's obviously growing pains with this. You know, it's um, a new scheme, new everything for me. Um, so I'm not I'm not discouraged at all by it. You know I know we'll we'll be better because of it. But you know these are some of the things that we got to go through uh, as part of it. And that's what I think a lot of us forget about. It's week three for Kyler Murray. It's week twelve for everyone else. And everyone else had a full off season. Kyler did not, as far as learning this offense, as far as executing right. the offense. It's one thing to look at it on a film or in the classroom, another thing to do it on the football field. And we were spoiled, so that first game against the Falcons, it's just been a trickle down since that game. Right, and I, and I think, you know, in my mind, I, I thought something like this may happen, um, right, because when, when he first comes back, you don't know who is he in this offense, what do they like to do in this offense. And obviously Atlanta's not world beaters either, um, and so that was great that he was able to come out and be successful. But as you play more games, right, People have a better understanding of how you'll be used and what the offensive coordinator likes in these situations with Kyler Murray as the quarterback. And then you can start scheming things up, right, because he has certain weaknesses or tendencies or whatever that start are able to be identified. And, for example, on, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought they did a great job of hiding where they – too high, two safeties high, or a single high. And they did a really good job of hiding. And I think that also confused them. And that was really the first time as I watched the All-22 going back that 
people did a good job of disguising what they were looking at. And that really held, made him, oh, I can't go there. Or or he may have went there and it got broken up because they showed him one thing before, uh, pre-snap and something completely different post-snap, which I think he struggled with throughout the game. And so those are things, right, as he stays positive, that he wants to grow in and as he's snapping the ball, being, oh, okay, they're going too high. Okay, so instead of going to the left where I may have – uh, a single high beater, I'm going to go to the right now because that's where my two high beater is. And he has to work through that progression, I think, a little bit better as he continues to get more reps. Another astute observation by Zoe because what did we talk about on cover two yesterday, Craig? There were 10 yep. pass deflections by the Rams. 10 of them. I mean, that's inordinately high, yes. right? And, and so they were getting in the passing lanes and or the throws were a little late. And so, okay, if he's, you know, trying to process and calculate what am I seeing, where am I going, and then the ball's getting out just a little bit late, that's all these DBs need in the NFL to get their hands in there and break up a pass. And then the decision-making, i.e. the fourth and two, you go for Trey McBride. And, again, I don't mind the decision going forward. Right. It's the execution because McBride was covered. Well, the throw was late. But you had Rondell Moore underneath. Kyler could have run for the first down there. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting that first down. You're extending a drive. Yeah. Three more plays to kind of get that offense back in rhythm. Yeah, and and I'm and I, it's hard for me to second-guess guys, right? We're looking at it. We see the big view. And so, in my mind, I always tell my players, there's no bad decision. There's better decisions, right? And you have to learn that over time and get a feel for it because it is his third game back, even though he's played a lot longer than that. In this moment – all right, I didn't make the right, the best decision. I'm going to my guy that I've trusted, right? If that's Larry Fitzgerald, hey, go to – I don't care who else is open, right? And that's who McBride – not that he's Larry Fitzgerald, but over the last couple of games, he's been his safety net. He's made plays for him. That seven route where he pushes a guy back and comes back and catches it, right? And so he's gaining trust with a guy – and so it's, it's, it would be always hard for me as a player, and if I got uh, great chemistry with someone and he's been making plays, then I'm not looking for him. And that's what he was doing on that play. All right, here's a hot take because you guys need a hot take. Could this game have been all about Kyler from the pocket? Could Kyler himself started this game and said, I want to prove I can beat a defense from the pocket? We didn't see a whole bunch of him. He only ran it once. Yep. Didn't see a lot of whole half rolls, moving the pocket, waggles, boots. We didn't see a whole bunch of that. We saw Kyler operating from the pocket. We know he can do everything else. If there's one question left in his game, can he be a pocket quarterback and beat you consistently? I wonder if either himself or the coaching staff has tasked him with that, trying to check that box. 45 pass attempts, though, way too many for Kyler or any quarterback you need to be a little bit more balanced cardinals were not balanced on sunday hey make sure you catch cardinals game plan fridays 6 30 on 12 news the exclusive conversation with head coach jonathan gannon and much much more this is the arizona cardinals radio network first down for the rams on the cardinal 23 stafford pitches it to freeman running to the right gets hit at the 20 but keeps his feet breaks a tackle and is inside the 10 inside the five touchdown Sloppy tackling, Freeman pinballing off of Cardinals and into the end zone from 23 yards out, and it is 37-8. That might have been the most disappointing aspects of Sunday's game defensively. You knew the Rams were going to run the ball. They ran it so well against you in week six, and you still couldn't stop it. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats, Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Lorenzo Alexander. The Rams rushed for 228 yards. Kyron Williams had a bulk of that with 143 yards on the ground. And 
Head coach Jonathan Gannon lamented the explosive runs, though, the number of runs beyond 10 yards. And you heard that Freeman touchdown. That was 23 yards. But Cardinals just could never really get a grasp on stopping what the Rams were doing. Yeah, and it was unfortunate. And, it, and for me, when I watch a football game, it was never effort, right? It, it wasn't people, you know, just kind of laying down, um, you know, turning turning blocks down or turning tackles down. It was, it was really a lack of executing fundamental techniques, and it was at every single level um, when I watched this game. And, again, if you ever want to stop a zone-running team, there's a couple of things. You, you First, your D-line has to be aggressive. They have to be penetrators. You have to be on their side of the line of scrimmage, dictating to that running back when and how they're going to make their cuts. Um, and they didn't do that. Several linemen multiple times trying to fight two guys at the same time. When you're playing D-line, you got to have your key guard or you taking your hands to the tackle. can't be trying to fight both. When that happens, your body gets turned, you facing the sideline. Most running backs, if they got any salt to them, they got their pickings and you're going to have four or five-yard gains. Second level, right, linebacker play. You got to have great eyes. You got to come down into your gap and not necessarily running down the middle of guys and, and didn't see that consistently. Again, Zaire not being out there to maybe help correct some of that or even clean up and make some guys who were wrong right by the way he plays with his veteran leadership and the physicality that he brings, miss that. Um, and so guys just weren't in their gap fitting it right, right? We talk about it being a puzzle, everybody being where they're at, and if a guy's out of theirs, you, you get in his and make him right. And then on the second level, a lot of crack, toss, a lot of just coming down and cracking the, the end man to make the corners tackle, and they didn't do that well. Corners and safeties um, coming down, just bad technique, bad fundamentals, the way they were closing. And obviously you're playing against good players, but consistently throughout the game didn't execute well enough in order to stop this run. And, and you know, as it trickled, it was a drip, and it just turned into a the, – the dam broke eventually, and it, it was getting – 15, 5, 20, as you say. Uh, and it just was hard for them to stop. So it was every level, and I think that's what he means, you know, collective. When they talk about getting your butt whooped, fundamentally they got whooped. Rams averaged almost seven yards a carry on Sunday. Here's the head coach, Jonathan Gannon. I think they had over 100 yards in explosive runs, not just the total run game, but the, you know, just explosive runs. So misfit here, bad technique here, you know, bad call here. It's all of us together. It's not never one thing. The run defense is all 11, but we got to play better in the run game. Explosive runs of 14, 24, 56, and then finally that 23-yard run by Royce Freeman. Yeah. Well, look, the Rams offensive line ain't all that. They're certainly not that good. Some of that was the Cardinals defensive front. In fact, it went even beyond the Cardinals defensive front because your top three tacklers were all DBs. It was Buda Baker, Keytrell Clark, and Jalen Thompson. And look at how many solo tackles they had. Buda had a half dozen solo tackles. Keytrell Clark, a corner solo tackles, right? <laughs> Jalen Thompson, five solo right. tackles. So, you know what that says? There weren't 11 hats to the ball. No, and, and, and that I think that's by design, right? If you, if you think a secondary isn't willing to tackle, and obviously Buda and Jalen are, uh, but they're trying, they were trying to make the corners and safeties be on the same page. Um, you know, gap schemes, which corners and, and safety, safeties will see it a little bit more because they're typically in the box. But they don't see it all the time. So you have guys like receivers going in motion. Okay, are we in man or are we in zone? Are we bumping it or are you running with it? 
uh, you'll have a receiver outside and a tight end next to him, and on the snap of the ball, the receiver will go inside, and the, and the tight end blocks out. Gap exchanges. And so as a DB, and you don't see a lot of reps of that, you stay outside, now the gap is inside, wide open, and the guy's hitting his head on the goalpost, or you got a Jalen that has to run something down and make a shoestring tackle to save a touchdown. And that's why I said Sean McVay did a really excellent job of just game planning uh, versus his team, something he always does, especially in that run game, making things look the same but being different, and then also using those little things that most people won't see, people exchanging blocking um, assignments that really can mess up guys who aren't used to shifting gaps on the run. And then here comes 240-pound Royce Freeman. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you do get a DB on a solo tackle, guess what? He's breaking that tackle. Yeah. So that, that, that was tough to watch. There's no doubt about it. But look, if you had zoom out, Cardinals got to figure this out as a defense because in their division, both the Rams and the Niners have a similar run scheme. And what did Christian McCaffrey do way back in week four? Better than five yards of carry yeah. and three rushing touchdowns. It's a problem. It's something in the offseason they're right. going to have to figure out. I want to say Atlanta did something very similar. I mean, yep. with, with Singletary, right? I mean, they, they've struggled with this all year. If a team can stay with that zone concepts, and it really starts up with front, I think that's where they're kind of lacking, you know, just that having that defensive line presence where guys can be penetrators and dictate to the offensive line, pushing them back versus being lateral. I think that's where they have to shore up some things in order to be um, more efficient in this zone against a zone running scheme. The Cardinals did hold Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua to a combined seven catches for 45 yards, but if you're running the ball so successfully, it doesn't matter what your receiving game is. You don't have to rely on Matthew Stafford's arm. You just rely on the legs of Kyron Williams and Royce Freeman. Post game, Dennis Gardeck, we heard from him earlier in the show. What does he want to see over these next final five games? Fight fight just desperation you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get whatever I can I'm gonna do whatever I can I'm gonna make my will imposed on my opponent that's what I want to see five games it's an evaluation we always talk about the evaluation of Kyler Murray these eight games of his but now as Jonathan Ledbetter has talked about several times this season your record is two and ten okay who can we now trust for these final five yeah. games because if it's not here and you want to stay in this league this is the film that you watch oh. if you're a general manager of another team. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the Barbarian is by far my favorite player. I mean, he reminds me a lot of myself, and that's probably why. So I'm biased, special teams guy. But the dude always plays with his hair on fire. And and if you don't want to follow a guy like that, you don't need to be on this football team because he is a glue guy, a guy that will play in this league for you know, 12, 15 years, even though he is maybe not as talented as some other people that may be on this roster. If everybody could play – with that fire, right? You got a couple other guys that do, but if you could play like that across the board, you would win a lot of games even though you weren't talented, and that's why they were in a lot of these games early in the season. But to your point, Greg, as this season continues to go on, coaches here, coaches across uh, the league want to see how do you show up when you're not going to the playoffs, right? You don't have a shot to extend your season. Yeah, When you're playing some of these cold-weather games, are, are you bringing the juice or are you just kind of going through the motions and just out there and just trying to do your job and stay in there, right? Because this is really the true sign of who you are and this organization is really going to be making some decisions in these last five as far as this a guy that we want to keep around? Is he a Cardinal? Is he playing our way, our culture? Is he playing tooth and nail? Is he fighting? Is he physical, right? Because if you're not, I don't want you. If you're just a front runner, if the only time you're going to show up is when – 
Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's cupcakes and rainbows outside. But if you're not showing up right now in this last five when it's cold, it's hard, don't really have a shot, I don't want you on this football team. And, and I've been a part of teams like that. You'll see good players be released or not signed back because they don't have that type of fortitude or character that you need in this league. Because every year there's going to be some type of adversity and you want guys that you know is going to fight through it. One play in particular. And not that Paris Johnson's going anywhere. He's going to be here long term. But the interception, Kyler Murray now was called back because of a penalty on Tomlinson. But Paris Johnson ran him down, pushed him out of bounds at the one-yard line yeah. to avoid the pick six. And at that point, the game is out of hand. He didn't need to do it. Yet what did he do? Yeah. He finished the play. He's built different, though. I mean, he's going to be in this league a long time, too. Again, when you're around guys and you see how they interact, that that's never a question in my mind how hard he's going to play. And they, and they know that. We all know that. He's just built different. The guy you don't want to be is a uh, dude from Pittsburgh. What's his name? Uh, was it Pittsburgh? Deontay, Deontay. Thompson? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That is something you do not want to put yeah. on film. A ball is fumbled. You see yeah. it. You see a team running. You just kind of watch it going on. Especially the week before <laughs> he got into a sideline skirmish with Mike Tomlin. He's right. like he's even still on the team. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's one of the premier receivers. But here comes December football. And you got to go to Pittsburgh. You got to go to Chicago. You got to go to Philly. Exactly. So you, you look at Zoe over there. Like he's already got the chills. You don't want to be the guy who just wants to get off the field and get near the heat blower. You don't want to be that guy because, hello, what did this team do last offseason? No allegiances. We likened it to another Purge movie. So if you ain't bringing it and you're not putting good film out there, you won't be around in 2024. Doesn't matter if you want to get near the heater. That's where Paul's standing. He's not going to let anyone <laughs> near the heater for those trips to Chicago, Philadelphia, and this week, Pittsburgh. Danny Sarek is going to have Chicago. So, Danny, get your mind right for Chicago. We'll talk about what's ahead this week, a meeting with the Steelers coming up here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Buda Baker. Somebody better get a hat on Buda Baker. Buda Baker's a bad. Buda Baker bad, man. Buda Baker's a badass dude. Watch him. That's him running and hitting everything. The voice of Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin raving about Buda Baker, as does many a head coach in the National Football League. By the way, Mike Tomlin, 17 seasons. He has not had a losing record. I mean, that's incredible. No. Three letters, H-O-F. That is ridiculous, right? I mean, he is first ballot Hall of Fame. Yep, no doubt. As a head coach. Yeah, he's one of those coaches that you – I always wanted to play for him. A lot of guys respect him around the league and always wanted to play for a guy like that because you hear about the stories. Um, obviously, he's hard-nosed and all about ball, but just personable, relatable, cares about you as a man and you know, just a guy that you would love to be able to play for. And when you hear that, right, when Buddha hears that, when I heard that for like from certain coaches around the league, the respect they have for your game, first of all, it made me, oh, man, that's cool. That's cool. I appreciate that. makes you feel all warm inside. I'm doing something right. Two – I know they're gonna be looking out for me, right? I know I'm gonna get some <laughs> yeah. crackbacks. I know yeah. I'm gonna get somebody gonna take a shot at yeah. me. They're gonna throw the ball deep, right? Because they wanna try me, you know, all that lovey dovey stuff before. So Buddha, right, watch out because they're coming for you one way or the other, right? When you get that type of compliment from the opposing team's uh head coach. If I was Buddha Baker, and I'm most definitely not, I would take that Tomlin compliment. I get it from Jim Mahundra and making my ringtone every time my <laughs> phone went off. It would be Tomlin because that is high praise indeed. Speaking of Buda Baker, his message to his teammates, not only heading into this week's game, but going forward. 
continue to compete, you know. Um, this game isn't promised to us. We take it one day at a time, and we just go to work trying to be the best players that we can be. It's always about competing. Our, our record isn't the way we want it to be, but we have more opportunities to play football. That's what we have to do. You know what? If I'm Buddha and I'm the Cardinals, I do exactly what Mike Tomlin teams do. Find a way. Just find a way. This last game, this last victory by the Steelers, was the first time all season they had outgained an opponent. Yet they're 7-4 and four and they lead the AFC wild card race. They have found a way. Despite the fact they've had an inept offense at times, you know, Kenny Pickett, who has, what, two touchdown passes since week four? It's remarkable. Yeah. They just find a way. Right, yeah, but, you know, the, the Steelers have never been prolific on offense. They've had some good offensive teams, but when you think about Pittsburgh Steelers, you think about grimy defense, right, and being able to run the ball uh, well as well, just being physical, black and blue division. And then I also know the special teams coach up there. I played for him for seven years when I was in Washington, Danny Smith, right? They're going to be sound on special teams and find ways to beat you there. So defensively, you know, they get you these third and longs and they make you punt the ball and they get the ball at the 50 and they don't have to do too much work. And so I think they play great complementary football over the period of time Mike Tomlin has been there. And then you think about the culture and, and really the Steelers' way and what he has created, not having a, a losing season in those 17 years, He's doing something right, right? And he's bringing in people that embody that and and will get you out of there if you're not living up to that. And so and I think, obviously, that's something they're trying to develop here, identify those type of guys that want to do it the Cardinals way, that want to be here, that's going to be physical, that's going to fight, regardless of what the the, 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 the prize is, you know, whether that's the playoffs or you just have an opportunity to play football today, you're going to treat it the same type of way. Steelers have won three of four, coming off a road win at Cincinnati, 16-10. to 10. You talk about the Steelers in their defense, but it's that ultimate bend but don't break because they are 25th in total yards, but they have the fifth best red zone defense and only allow less than 19 points a game. Right, and that's what we talked about, right? There's always, you know, these stats that, that create your rankings and, you know, whether that's yards uh, gained or yards given up, right? But those really aren't the metrics that most defenses use to see whether or not you're going to win a game or if you're playing good defense, right? So you just mentioned the main one is red zone, right? If, am I making people kick field goals? If I'm making you kick field goals, I'm giving our team an opportunity to win games. We, we talk about turnovers, getting the ball turned over, so I may give it up. But in the red zone, I'm, I'm picking you off or whatever that may look like. Third downs is another big one, right? Um, and so those are the type of areas that you look to win, two-minute um, areas. And so if I'm pretty sure if we dive deep into some of those subsets of areas, as you mentioned, you'll see the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably either at the, towards the top or probably in the middle because they, you know, they are finding ways to win games. And you know what the Steelers' defense has not done? It hasn't felt sorry for itself. Because the Steelers' offense just snapped a streak of 58 games without gaining 400 total yards in a game. Think about that. I mean, this has been a defense-first team for a long time. Yeah. And you don't see the defense going, oh, geez, the offense isn't carrying their weight. We're not going to bring it today. No, that's, that's not the mentality in Pittsburgh. The defense is consistently good. And, of course, it helps to have a T.J. Watt who has – 13 and a half sacks, 12 tackles for loss, six passes defensive. And by the way, he has an interception as well. And when you are in the company of a Reggie White, the only two yeah. players in the National Football <laughs> League with at least 13 sacks in five of their first seven seasons and 90 or more sacks over their first 100 career games. Only two, Reggie White and T.J. Watt. 
It's impressive. I've, I mean, I've I've had a chance to watch him a couple of times playing on the field and off the field. And the dude is is a dominant guy, one of those guys that are obviously going to be a future Hall of Famer and can wreck games, take over games, and always shows up in those prime time uh, possessions and plays where you need your stars to step up. And and they played mainly at least the last month or so without Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in the game. They figured out a way to get it done without Minka Fitzpatrick and. And then they just made their first in-season coaching change of any sort since World War II. The Steeler way is always to be very consistent and loyal, and they rarely, rarely make any sort of firings of coaches, either coordinators or head coach, so they can Matt Canada. And that's the first time they did that in-season since 1941. Wow. Cardinals and Steelers, 11 a.m. on Sunday, 6.30. Pre-game coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Steelers, as we mentioned, 7-4 and four on the season. We'll see Kenny Pickett, the former first-round draft pick, who, as Paul mentioned, only two touchdowns since, what you say, week four? He's only Week four. Only, he has not thrown a touchdown in the last three games, period. But he hasn't thrown a pick in the last seven games, so he's the ultimate game <laughs> manager right now. Yeah. We'll see what the Cardinals have in store, and then we'll talk about it in one week's time here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, associate producer, Cody Fincher, technical director, Matt Lazarus. For Lorenzo Alexander, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.